Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Tonight, our guest is Oberon Zell. Ravenheart, do you believe in magic? Do you believe in unicorns? Or how about the pagan ego farm village somewhere in California? Well, our guest has worked on all of these things in his life, and we will be right back after this song. Welcome back. We're having some technical difficulties to another episode of Main Street Universe. The microphone button was a little slow to go on. Uh, My name is Daniel Michael, 
and I'm joined by my friend, guest co-host, Laramie Rouse. Hey, how are you doing? Laramie is also the guitar player in my band, Dragon's Head. And I'd like to remind everyone that Main Street Universe is a network of a few shows and more to come. In fact, right now we have three functioning every week, and we have some monthly shows as well, starting with normally on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time is this one, the flagship show, the one that started it all, Main Street Universe. Myself and Janice are white, and we've had Mark Slaughter and Tawatha D this month. We're switching to a a once-a-month format, but when we have really good guests, sometimes we do an extra show, like tonight, Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And our guest tonight is Obronzo Ravenheart. On Tuesdays, we have Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Susan Weed. And Susan is an expert in herbal medicine. Herbal's medicine is people's medicine, as she says. And that's every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. It's sort of an herbal medicine class. And then on Fridays at 4.30, we have Code Connections with your hostess, Miss Jessie Ann Nichols-George. And we'll be right back again as we try to make sure we're connecting our, okay with our guests. We had him on the phone on another line and making sure that the numbers are good. So here is one of our songs. And this is One Got Away, and we will be right back. Green is a pretty color when it's backed by gold. The speech and date upon it all is a funny thing when there's none to behold The serpent speeding without fault One got away, one got away Now it's thinking freely One got away, one got away I think we've lost you completely Spilling on the ground The massive program For the teaching band There's the brave ones Who cannot make a sound The messengers Did not the teaching One got away One got away Now is thinking freely One got away One got away I think we loved you completely One got away, 
One got away, I think we've lost you completely. contract 
a four-year exhibition contract with the Ringling Brothers Byron and Bailey Circus, which brought, took them out to become world-famous stars of the greatest show on earth. And that was in the all in the 80s. That's pretty much all we did in the 1980s. But, man, that was decades ago in a former life far away. And um, <laughs> hardly anybody remembers it now. It's been one of those things where now you see mention about unicorns, and it's still, oh, unicorns don't exist. They're just creatures of fantasy. But we did eventually write the book, and it's called A Wizard's Bestiary. And there's a whole chapter on the unicorn in there with all that information. And I highly recommend it, The Wizard's Bestiary by Oberon Zell. Absolutely, and I do. And I do want to mention that we do have a link to your books uh, here directly on the show page. So there's a direct link to buying the books. And what we'll do is just briefly then skim over some of the other history, and then we'll get to what you're working on now. Uh, You are the founder of the Gray School of Wizardry. You're also, before that, the founder of CAW, the Church of All Worlds, who did participate, like Selena Fox, in the first Earth Day celebration. And honestly, there's a you have a very long bio. <laughs> like I said, I couldn't fit it all on my show page. <laughs> so well, it's actually a whole book. Our the book of our life story is actually out uh, by Llewellyn. It's called The Wizard and the Witch. So um, if you want to, if you really get the whole story, there's a lot more to it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and I think one of the things, and then after this, we'll get to what you, what you're working on now. One of the things I've always liked about your approach um, versus maybe some other people I've met in the pagan community, though I'm not trying to be negative, um, is your approach, and I think some of your generation's approach, I'm a little younger, I'm about 44, and I think your generation really had an approach that they really believed that they could change things and make their own new world. And I don't know if I always get that morality or ethic or mentality or whatever you want to say from some of the modern things. So uh, I very much appreciate that about your approach to magic and paganism and such. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I do believe that. Always have. I mean, what is magic for if not to make a difference? Absolutely. So, yeah. So now what we want to do, and speaking of believing you can make your own world, um, Let's talk about this new project you're working on. You want to start, and in part for honoring Morning Glory, um, a pagan eco-village. You want to buy up or rent or have a big piece of land to use for this, and I'll I'll let you go ahead and and explain that. Uh, Well, my goodness, I've got so much updating to do there. Um, The... That was the original intent when we established the Morning Glory Zell Memorial Foundation. Uh, The idea was to raise funds to create a permanent home, uh, a library and museum for the vast collection of magical stuff, uh, including 350-plus goddess images from around the world and throughout history, and altar implements and magical tools and artifacts and books of shadows and a vast library of arcana, and all of this that Morningjoy and I collected during our 40 years together. And we thought that the best way to do that would be to have a whole village that would have a, a library, a museum, a goddess temple, a, you know, places for people to live and study and work. We envisioned something like, you know, an Esalon or a, 
or a, you know, a Rivendell or an Avalon or some place like that that would be a, a mythical place of pilgrimage that people would come to and spend time and live and study. And we looked at a number of properties. We spent months and months searching for um, a suitable place, and we found a few that looked really good, and we tried to get interest in them, but we never were able to generate enough interest and enough funds to make the projects feasible. And in the meantime, um, uh, two months ago, almost, I received a uh, 90-day eviction notice from the landlord at our present home. And uh, after living here for 10 years, they, they they want to sell the place and, and move on, and that's all fair enough. We were planning on moving. But there's a bit of an urgency now, and there's no time to continue pursuing the search for another land. I've got to pursue finding a new home immediately. And so what has happened in the in the last few weeks is that this vision has come to a new focus of um, of creating a, uh, a, a center in town, a storefront uh, facility that would provide for all of these things, the museum, the library, the, the goddess temple, and uh, a store to sell our, the, you know, the books and statues and jewelry and things that we make as well as things that other people make that we, we like to have. So the new vision, and you can find out all about it on the web at um, academyofarcana.com. This is it. The Academy of Arcana is the new vision. And we're um, looking at a storefront in Santa Cruz on Front Street, in Santa Cruz, California. And we're all excited about that. We're right now, um, over this weekend, we have a bid in with the with the owners for uh, negotiating the price of this, but it looks quite doable. So we just uh, just before I got on the show, we had a meeting of the board of directors of the Morning Glory Foundation and discussing the new facility. So that's the new vision, the Academy of Arcana, and it will um, house. Um, uh, a number of different aspects that we've designed little separate descriptions and logos for. There's the uh, Goddess Curiosa, which is the Goddess Temple and Meeting Workshop class space that we want to have so that uh, we'll be able to do rituals and have gatherings and meetings and teach classes and all kinds of cool stuff. We want to have space for that. And then we'll have the main reading and research library that we'll be calling the Illuminarium, and it's also associated with what we, we call the Museum of Mysteries, in which we'll have all kinds of cool stuff from our considerable collections of arcane artifacts, and uh, which includes, incidentally, um, the skull and artifacts of the last unicorn. So that'll be a whole exhibit just on the unicorn story. But we have lots of other cool stuff that we'll be doing. It. And then in the front row of it, we'll have a little store, and um, we're, we're still working out... Um, the names for some of these. So some of the ones that are listed on the website may be changed in the final iteration, but the um, that's the plan, and it's it's pretty exciting. And right now we're engaged in making the move. Uh, this weekend we're having our final big party at Ravenhaven, our home up in um, Sonoma County, California, and it's uh, a, a two-day hippy dippy pool party with. Uh, uh, garage sale of the mysteries going on with all kinds of stuff that I don't want to have to take uh, uh, a lot of books and movies and clothes and other items 
uh, and people have been coming and and uh, purchasing stuff, and this will all go to help make the move. We're also well. That's a big part. I'll, I'll I can tell you more in a minute. But if any comments you want to make at that point, I'll I'll stop for a moment. Oh no, uh, and yeah, I do understand. Um, <clears throat> I will as well make sure to add the. A new academy that you mentioned onto the show's page. I tried to put some links for you there to update it. Since you said the eco village thing, it's since since we've talked uh, is as it shifted and changed and transformed and evolved, and so it's become this. And so I'll be sure to to post that if there's if there's a link or a website for people to go to to look at or a blog or whatever the case may be. So I'll, I'll be sure to post that because. Truth with these, as you might remember, being on internet radio before, a lot of times your listens are in larger number on in the archives, you know. So it, and then it, and then it lasts, and people listen on their own time. So that'll be a, something I'll make sure I add and update. But that's a fascinating project, and I would love to do something like that myself. In fact, I was walking down the street with Larry, my guitar player, who's here with us today, and. I was walking at the corner coffee shop, and I was saying I wanted to make this into a coffee shop, new age shop slash temple, you know, before somebody else had bought it up. <laughs> yeah. It's right on the corner of town, so I definitely understand that well, desire. Well, that's exactly what we're doing. The place we're looking at is uh, 2,080 square feet, and it's a corner building on Trump Street, and it looks very nice. It's just exactly what we're doing, and exactly as you say, you know, a, a goddess temple, a museum, a library, and a bookshop, you know, all together and and the people that we've talked to of the pagan community down in Santa Cruz are very excited about it and I'll be moving down there uh not to the not to the center but to um uh to friends who have a spare cottage that they are offering me to move into and it's a major transition uh, just a huge transition in my life but you know after morning glory's passing there's really um you know uh the main reason for being up here was this, this is where we were together. And, you know, now I feel um, that it's time to move on and, and build a new life. Our our life is chronicled. The book of it came out just um, February of 2014, a few months before she died. So it's kind of completed that whole chapter, whole story of a huge life, an amazing life, full of, of wonders and magic and and richness. And now begins a new, a new life. Um, it's very strange. It's a strange position to be in after that, that whole long time of being so much a uh, part of each other. We were like one super being, you know. It's going on without her is like being an amputee. And yet, the world turns and the life goes on, and new assignments and missions are coming up, and new people. And um, you know, I can't just quit. I'm, I'm still here. I'm not done yet. So that's that's the thing. It's a transitional uh, transitional period, and so I look forward to a new life down in the South Bay area, having been in the North Bay area for oh over thirty years, thirty five years. I've been up here, so it's a big break. Another thing that's exciting, though, that might interest your uh, some of your people, other than the Academy of Arcana, uh, which is really exciting. But another one is that I'm in negotiation with um, uh, a couple of television production companies 
to do oh. a uh, ongoing reality show to be called uh, The Wonderful World of Oz. And <laughs> basically, yeah. I like it. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of trippy, you know. Uh, this uh, I've been approached uh, by numerous companies over the last few years and didn't really have anything to give them because uh, there had been a lot of interest in developing a show based on entry into the magical world, the popularity of the Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, all that stuff has brought wizardry and the idea of the magical world into the media realm, and they think it would make an interesting show to introduce people to some of that. And there's a number of shows now that form a kind of model. There's the tank show about the guys, who, the family who builds uh, custom-made aquariums. There's a, another show about guys who build tree houses. There's the oddities show that have people who run really trippy, odd stores in New York and San Francisco. And, um, and and it's like coming right up to this. So finally, I said, well, I think with this move to Santa Cruz and the opening of the Academy of Arcana, we could have uh, a foundation for a really interesting show. And I would also be introducing viewers to people in the magical community who might be willing to be on the show, people especially who are craftspeople, um, artists, vendors who might like to enjoy free national publicity for what they do by being introduced. And I know a lot of really wonderful <laughs> Yeah. So that's the other thing. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a great idea because not that I'm someone, I don't walk around with a lot of too much fear of persecution or whatever uh, being pagan, but I still think it's good for people to see either the, just the craft itself, wizardry or paganism or Wicca, you know, all these things, druidry, whatever people want to call it, and for them to see it and to see somebody they like and they go, oh, I, I kind of like that guy, you know, Oz on that show, and, and it, it can warm them up to these folks that they see us, might see us so different from them and and kind of yeah. normalize to them a little bit. Well, I think that's true, and, and you know, some of these shows that I've seen have had a succession of extremely unusual people, especially the oddities show. And it's just kind of neat. They, they're presented in a way that um, they're different and unusual, but they're not threatening. They're just interesting. And I think the world is, is really ready. I agree with the producers of these shows that the world is ready to start seeing the magical world in that kind of light of fascinating, but not threatening. You know? And so that's what we hope to convey. And the, Producers are very excited about this, and they're very excited that we're going to be uh, creating this, uh, the Academy, and they're looking forward to documenting it. So this will be this will be really great. And I think that viewers, after seeing a few of the shows, will be, uh, a number of people will be all excited about wanting to be on it. Hey, you can be on an episode here. Come on into the show, and we'll do a thing with you, you know. So... So, so that's the that, that's basically where my life is at right now, and and uh, all engaged in trying to pack up all of this stuff and organize it and and move it. It's it's pretty huge here. I've got a book contract I'm in the middle of uh, with Llewellyn that um, is kind of on the back burner for a while while I make this move, and they've been very kind at, at moving back the deadline. But it's a book that was inspired largely by the circumstances around Morning Glory's dying last year, which was quite an event, really. It was a huge event. And the book is going to be called um, 
death rights and rights with both spellings. And it'll be everything about dying. It'll be everything from the uh, legal processes of of dealing with this stuff and the different options for uh, uh, handling it and and the hospice situations and the history of the funeral parlors and the history of of way people, people of different cultures have handled their dead. And it will be myths and legends of the underworld and uh, it will be you know, a maps of journeys of where people in different cultures go after they die. Um, the Egyptian, the Greek, the Tibetan, the Druidic, the Norse, you know, versions of, of where their their adherents go. It will be um, just just a huge bunch of stuff, including the entire process if somebody wants to have a death that goes in a particular direction. Morning Glory and I had always wanted to have green burial. We didn't want to be cremated, and we certainly didn't want to be, um, you know, embalmed and all that kind of stuff. These, these things we personally found, well, not particularly pleasant to contemplate. As far as the cremation thing, which most people opted that we've known, um, you know, we already went through the burning times once, and, and we really didn't want to go there again. You know, it wasn't a very appealing idea. So being buried in the earth, um, you know, intact and unembalmed, and then having a fruit tree planted on the grave, this is what we were able to do with Morning Glory. And because of the circumstances of this, we were able to get blow through all the legal requirements to have our Church of All Worlds uh, land, which is a 55-acre parcel up in the mountains of Mendocino County, California, declared uh, a graveyard, a cemetery, for legal purposes. And we worked out all the legalities. So basically any pagan organization, any pagan church at least anywhere, that is legally incorporated in any state um, has a really good shot now with our precedent of being able to establish the legal right to have a um, a churchyard, a, a burial ground on their property. So more people can do that who may want to. So that's that's been a, a big huge thing. So now I'm working on this book, um, and um, it was supposed to be finished by the first of October, but all these other things have made it that pretty pretty impossible. I'm going to be dealing with being just making move right about that time. So, but it will happen. It's all coming. I've got lots of books on on order, sort of on hold. Several publishers kind of eagerly waiting for me to get done with them, which is a nice position to be in as a writer. I don't have to worry about selling my books. I just need to worry about writing them. (laughs) I like that. And, Obra, we're about at the half hour, and I thought we might take a brief song break and then come right back and continuing talking about everything you're working on and what's evolving and so good to hear from you after Morning Glory's passing. And again, I'm sorry. I know that must have been devastating for you. you like you said, you two feeling like the one super being uh, yeah. all those. Um, and this <clears throat> um, song we're going to play is actually one of ours. My friend Laramie here, who's also in our band. And this is called I Will Find You Again. And it is a little bit about meeting someone again, whether it's the realm of dreams and things like that. Oh, perfect. That is so much our vision. Oh, how beautiful. I I look forward to hearing this song. Thank you. Thank you. There's a cool fiddle solo in the middle from our violin player, Nina. (laughs) So we will be right. 
right back.
archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. back with myself, my special guest co-host, Laramie Paul Rausch, and our amazing guest, Mr. Ober, uh, Oberon Zell Ravenart. We'll be there. Welcome back, Oberon. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. This was a beautiful song. Thank you for that. Wow. Oh, thank you very much. That was. It is on our new album, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was. it's wow. definitely about saying, you know, the first verse, time is not your enemy, it's a vessel gently guiding me. And so it's, you know, wow. if you're someone that believes in like reincarnation or, or in something, you know, something else, that uh, there can always be that chance for reconnection. So, Bill, this is always a part of our of our life and our and our beliefs as well, of course. So we've been here before. We, we know our history, our stories, and we expect to come back again and find each other again because we really we really loved it we loved our time together and we loved being here on this planet at this time and definitely want another ride absolutely <laughs> and I couldn't imagine the second time around you already had a pretty fantastic one the first one around what influence would you have on the world time number two <laughs> well I, I look forward to coming back into the world that I've had a certain influence in helping to shape um, a good part of when I of what I've done in my life, I've really consciously and uh, looked at it from the point of view, well, when I come back again in my next incarnation, what kind of a world do I want to come back to? And what can I do to help create that kind of a world? I just think that's a great way to live in any case, regardless of, of whether you manage to come back or not. Living that way um, you know, to try to create the world you want to come back to is, I think, a really just uh, a good way to guide your life. So I have this is uh this is Laramie. This is uh the co host. <laughs> and I, I wanted to take an opportunity to say to you that uh I, I'm a I'm a Native American and uh a lot of a lot of my traditions were lost and I found myself um I found myself looking for some sort of a path. Uh, and a path out me was more what happened than anything else. But your books have been a great help to uh, somebody who was a lot older than most of the people I think who were reading, you know, like the Grimoire and the Companion book. Uh, I'm I'm 55 years old now. I think I really only first discovered you just about oh seven years ago, and uh, you and what you have done have been a wonderful help to me. And uh, so I'm taking this as an opportunity to say thank you. Um, the 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 traditions that you bring forth remind me so much of the Native American stuff that I was involved with uh, at one time, and um, we uh, we just simply have to uh, find where everybody's on the same page, I believe. But you've done a great job of doing that, bringing a lot of things together, and those books are so full of science. And that's something I really love. But uh, I, I really wanted to say that to you. I didn't know. Uh, just one, like almost a work of magic at some point uh, when I when I realized the pagan path uh, that 
that someday I'd have the opportunity to say thank you. So, you know, my being in this being in this group with my friend Daniel and um, getting to do this right now is, is an opportunity for me to do that. So that's all I really wanted to say. If there were any questions at all that I would have, uh, it would probably it would probably have to do with um, the uh, how the the science at the the you know like we have all kinds of stuff in the book that talks about uh you know little mnemonic techniques that you teach people in order to remember like all the the different ages in in uh earth's history um talking about mother gaia um, and and spirituality and science connected so you know what i'd really like to ask you is uh do you really think that there's any difference between the two, science and spirituality, or if there is a, a connection like yin and, yin and yang that simply has to be balanced? Well, I think the yin-yang model is good. And, and thank you, Laramie. I really appreciate that. You know, any teacher, there's nothing that means more than having somebody come along and tell them that their work has made a difference. And, and I'm so grateful for that. One is glad to be a service, in the words of the bicentennial man. Um, that's it's always very gratifying to hear that. It's interesting you mentioned that uh, a lot of my works have recaptured some of the Native American traditions that have been dispersed. Interestingly, that's I've heard the same thing from other people of different things. The very first language that my grimoire was translated into, other than English, of course, was Romanian. And this was because um, the Roma, the gypsies, had gotten a hold of it and wanted to have it in their own language because they said they had lost so much of their teachings and traditions because um, they're not really a literate culture and that this had the teachings that were that resonated with their culture and I was so pleased with that and um, I've, in my travels I've, I've been all over the world and I have had the opportunity to sit down and have wonderful times with traditional shamans of many, many cultures um, some of which I've gone to them, and some of which have come to me, interestingly enough. So I've, I've been with Peruvian shamans and Hawaiian and, and Siberian and several North American uh, tribes and communities and, um, uh, you know, uh, Australian Aborigines. I spent time with the Australian Aboriginal elders. And in each case, when we sat down and talked about stuff, we have found that we are totally on the same page. We have the same values, the same teachings, the same understandings, and all of these are expressed in what I consider to be the the, the essence of the wisdom teachings of the ages, and and this is the motto of the great school in Latin. It's omnia vivant, omnia inter se connexa, and that means everything is alive, everything is interconnected, and that is the core. That is the core of the wisdom of the of all the worlds. Uh, teachers, the shamans, and so, and it's that kind of conversation, and it's those experiences of actually meeting with the traditional peoples of all these different cultures that, over many many years, that I've tried to infuse into the writings I do on this, into the grimoire and and other books and stuff. So I appreciate that you picked up on that. As for the sure. question about science and religion, um, it's sort of like um, I think that um, it's the difference between uh, technology and art. I mean, both of these are ways of creating and expressing something. Um, and there's the techniques and the practical matters. The technology is kind of like the science. 
and the religion is kind of like the art, and you really need you really need both. You need to have the art part, the vision, the understanding, the depth, the reason, the the feelings, the 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 mythology, the stuff that resonates with you, has to be a part of what you do. But then you also have to have the techniques and and the knowledge and the abilities and the skills to manifest these visions. And so I, I think this is both essential. One of the things that I and and pretty much everybody in the wizardly realms is all excited about in recent years has been the increasing understanding of quantum physics as the science of quantum physics has become more um, widely known and into the mainstream one thing has become glaringly obvious and that is that the laws of quantum physics as they're being emerged are identical to the traditional laws of magic and so quantum physics provides a scientific foundation for all of the the magical stuff that we think of as the, as the way out there stuff, you know, especially things like the law of, um, of, of association. It says that when two things are in contact with each other, they remain a connection, which is why you can make, do healing spells using somebody's nail clippings or hair or something, you know. Yeah. And in quantum physics, this is... Um, um, uh, this is a fundamental principle of quantum entanglement that says that any objects once in connection with each other retain that connection, and what happens to one will be will affect what happens to another. They remain that influence. And um, since the understanding of the cosmos is one in which we've emerged from from some core central thing, uh, the most popular thing being the Big Bang idea. Although I have I have variations on that that I would put out. But in any case, that means that everything is connected. Everything is interconnected. And another fundamental principle of quantum physics is the, um, is, is the principle of uncertainty and the idea that any, uh, the consciousness itself affects the, the quantum field. You know? So your intention actually has as much of an effect in the world as any other application of, of energy and force in the quantum universe. And there, there's many others. I mean, the whole concept of, of, the, of, of quantum physics is just amazingly ripe one for study for magicians these days. So, you know, the science and the magic are coming together. Not but there, there, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work or not, but he has uh, calculated, he, he's changed a lot of the mathematics that pertain to um, uh, the... Um, trying to allow for the amount of, of of gravity in the universe as per the amount of this invisible dark matter or whatever, and it has to it has to occur. The calculations, I guess, have to occur at the quantum level. You have to be able to prove it like there somewhat before you can prove it elsewhere. And he absolutely solved this problem by placing a teeny tiny black hole at the center of every subatomic particle. And figuring his mathematics that way, and you know, if if we think of a, a black hole as a portal, um, you can almost see. It, and this explains quantum entanglement and uh, a whole lot of other things. It also explains the reason why, you know, my friend Daniel here will be um, thinking about me about the same time I'll be sending him a message because I have to drive a long way to get here so we communicate long distance. But uh, uh, this, you know, I, I believe this too, sir. I believe this with all my heart that we're just so connected and uh, that, that the human beings, I've noticed, have this terrible habit 
of uh, looking for a life by looking for life that looks like them. Um, and that's one of the reasons why it's one of the reasons why we treat our mother the way we do, meaning the earth. Um, we 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 don't see life as quickly as we ought to. Well, an important theme that has emerged in every conversation I've had with traditional shamans of different cultures is the concept of the awakening. The everybody understands um, that the Earth is alive, is a vast living being, a biological entity. You know, literally as much as any of us are. That the biosphere of the planet is one single organism conceived at the moment of the Cambrian explosion 544 million years ago, and the entire proliferation of life is no more. What we see as evolution is embryology on a planetary scale, and that's that's what we've got, with which perforce um, implies an emerging consciousness. All, all living beings, all living things from the tiniest creatures on up to, you know, the great whales and everything in between are suffused with consciousness, the fifth element, spirit, the animating force, et cetera, et cetera, however we see it. And um, therefore, a planet, a planetary organism, a, a planetary biosphere that is one being, must have a planetary spirit and consciousness, which we have always understood, all peoples have always understood, as Mother Earth, Mother Nature. We've, we've always known her. She's the most universal archetype in any culture, anywhere. And her awakening is, um, and, and I would say reawakening because I have this understanding of history that indicates that she has suffered a knockout blow and, and other things in the past that have kept her in a coma for most of human history. But she is reawakening now. And as we have now just crossed the threshold into the age of Aquarius, just, just tiptoeing over the very edge of it, um, I think that that's going to be a strong theme of this coming era. There's another aspect of that, that is the 60-year Renaissance cycles. And I talk about this in my grimoire, is that every 60 years, without, um, like, like clockwork, there's been a renaissance, a cultural renaissance on the earth, an, an awakening, a rebirth. And, this, and similar themes have come out in each of these. And one of these strong ones is the emerging goddess a theme. And the last one of these was uh, the era of the 1960s. And you can go back every 60 years from that on back and you'll find one. And that means that the upcoming one will be in the 2020s. So um, the people who are going to be coming of age in the 2020s will be in pretty much the same position that my generation was who came uh, came of age in the 1960s. And I think we'll see some incredibly exciting things. But this eon, the eon of Aquarius, will see the great diaspora of humanity um, as we seed, you know, the cosmos with the with the spores of Gaia, and we will see the emerging awakening of planetary consciousness. And there's just so many exciting things in all of this, and it, and there is a scientific foundation for every single bit of it. You know, and science is not one of those little things that is apart from religion or spirituality. It's simply a tool that provides explanations and ways of understanding them. But they explain things that are already there. You know, when I was a kid growing up, the whole concept of, of, of continental drift was ridiculed as some bizarre fantasy. Now it's the foundation of all geology. 
And and the same thing, you know, cosmology without talk about dark matter and dark energy and black holes and time portals. I mean, that's as mystical stuff as you can get, and it's and it's the foundation of our science now. So we will be seeing that, and I believe that the quantum field itself that underlies everything it is the foundation of of matter and space and time and energy and all of that is, um, you know, it can also be called consciousness. It can also be called spirit. It can also be called God, divinity, um, whatever we want to apply to it. But there is a realm of spirit that we've identified with that name and scientists call the quantum field, and it's the same thing. So there's my little rant on science and religion. No, no, it's good. It's a great rant. And I wanted to add, when you mentioned about Gaia, Mother Earth, being a living organism, as Laramie had mentioned as well. And what's interesting about this living organism, she provides human beings with everything they need. Everything. Like, you find cures. I've, I've found certain natural cures at work. I'm not going to go on a conversation about that. But, I mean, that people forget about or whatever. And, and <clears throat> I'm blessed to know some great natural herbalists, including Susan Weed, who's on our network. Uh, on here on Main Street Universe, so um, so she provides us with all of this to survive, and we, in turn, must return the favor, or she might, you know, shake us off like a bad case of the fleas. You know, yeah. we serve a function of yeah. some sort. Or, you know. <laughs> well, you know, literally, if one was to take the metaphor to its logical conclusion. We are simply cells in the body of this greater being. And, and determining which type of cells, what is our function, is, is certainly one of the interesting things. We certainly do have, seem to have a neuronal function, but I don't think we're the only or most important you know, neurons in the brain of Gaia. If I was to assign that to anyone, I would assign it to the whales to be the cerebral cortex. But we definitely seem to be the gametes. We are the ones who are capable of taking the seeds of Gaia and projecting them out beyond her gravity well to seed other worlds. And that's an important thing, too. You know, it's all part of one vast integrated system, and um, that never used to be separated throughout all of history. Um, yeah. Physics and metaphysics were all one, one concept that was only separated in the 1660s mm-hmm. during the scientific revolution when they decided that they were going to separate out astrology and astronomy and physics and metaphysics and chemistry and alchemy. But that's an artificial distinction. And it's one of the things that is the foundation of the Gray School of Wizardry that I, that I am the headmaster of, is that we are trying to restore that connection, that um, you know, that integration of all these different facets, as it was understood in the ancient times. But with updated science and information, we're making new discoveries all the time. So the Great School is a pretty unique institution. It's it's that's another whole thing. It's another whole interview just on the Great School, I think. And I've I've been there, and um, I am very impressed with some of the teachers. I think one of them, I don't know if she's still with you, but it has contributed to your books was Ellen Everett Hopman. Is she still a contributing teacher there? Uh, not anymore. Uh, but she's a member of the Gray Council, which is part of the uh, foundational um, board of advisors, and she did teach specifically for a while, but currently she doesn't have time for that, and we do have about 
couple of dozen really superb teachers. But we're still in contact with her. She's talking about um, when she comes out to this area again uh, that she'll be teaching some classes at the Arcane mm-hmm. Academy because we'll be doing our classes and things there as part of the school. So, yeah, we have many, many amazing people who have come through the school and may be, return as guest lecturers or, or as teachers or whatever. The students have the advantage of having access to all these teachers. It's wonderful. Um, you have, uh, I had mentioned earlier, this is this is Laramie again, uh, I had mentioned before about being, you know, a, an older student of yours, and even though we're just now meeting. Uh, but you have uh, a Hermes house now within the Gray School, is that correct, for uh, older students? We do. We have, well, we have um, uh, used, we have four houses uh, that are elemental oriented for the youth students and four houses that are elementally oriented for the adult students. When we first conceived the school, we did not anticipate <laughs> that <laughs> it, it would end up with four-fifths of our students being adults. We initially designed it for teenagers, but we have had so many adults come and say, I always wanted to learn this stuff, and now here's a place I can learn it, so I want in on it. So we've developed a whole adult curriculum and adult systems and all. We have a virtual school in Second Life. It's 3D. It's really, really amazing, and we have classes being taught, you know, in in live space with avatars, and that's pretty amazing that we do. We're which I say, we're opening a physical learning center in Santa Cruz, and um, uh, and and yeah, we um, the adult houses, the, the youth houses are gnomes, salamanders, undines, and sylphs, which are the elemental beings. The adult houses are flames, waters, winds, and stones. Um, mm. So that's pretty cool too. These people are sorted according to their astrological. Uh, signage, so it works out really well. People being in their particular type signage. No, I, I, I can see how that could absolutely work for you because I was I was discussing with Daniel that like I have a birthday book at my house, which would have been a novelty when I was a kid. But the longer that I've stayed with this, the more I've seen. Well, this is a guide on how to know people. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm. I'm I'm amazed. Our oldest student is, I believe, 85 right now. Uh, so we have quite the range from the youngest 11 years old all the way up. That was another thing about the school is that when we started it up, there were no schools available that, of magic of any sort that admitted anybody under the age of 18. And we thought, right. well, that wasn't right. Because with the whole Harry Potter phenomenon exploding, we're going to have lots of kids coming looking for the real thing, and somebody should be making it available. So that was part of the incentive to do that. We also discovered that all of the other schools that taught magical arts at all were all part of some particular religious group. They were they were generally some tradition of witchcraft or or something else, druidry. And we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to limit ourselves in that way. So the Church of Our Worlds is not the owner or sponsor or associated with the Gray School. Um, it's an independent, autonomous and secular entity. And so we have students and teachers of many different religions. Our, our second graduate was a Sufi Muslim, you know, and it's, it's been a wonderful thing and very enriching to everybody to be able to interact respectfully with fellow wizards uh, and students from different cultural traditions and, and different religious backgrounds. 
um, Islam has a strong tradition of wizardry from the Middle Ages uh, of the um, alchemists and stuff. Much of the of the modern science and math is all developed in, in the Middle East. So, you know, we, if we're really going to embrace the cultural revolution and the people and the awakening of Gaia as a whole planet, we have to include everybody. So that's part of the vision, too. It, it's funny you say that because uh, Laren May and I were talking about uh, the Sufi and, and the Islamic thing, meaning because just to let you know about the the, um, the ethnic nature of our band, Dragon's Head, um, is, uh, our bass player is a Muslim from Bangladesh. Our guitar player, Laramie, is Cherokee and sort of pagan and also with his own tradition, as well as the Celtic-Irish guys like myself and my brother. And, and then our violin player is Filipino. And so you, you get mystics from everywhere. And I'm not saying yeah, our bass player is a mystic, wonderful. but a tolerant, you know, kind of curious mind of, that's what I meant when I said that. He's, I'm not saying he's Sufi, but he, hey, he's in this pagan band called Dragon's Head, so he has that sort of uh, curious mind and likes the songs. And, and exactly what you're saying, people have an interest in these things. They have an interest in how can they not just follow the authoritarian way and maybe just, Use the forces in the universe. Not use. Maybe it's maybe it's proper. Maybe it's but, but you know, maybe it sounds a little harsh. But engage the forces of the universe. How's that uh, to to for a particular end? And like you said, and this is something I want to make very clear. That is one of the things that separates Oberon's programs, like grade school and stuff. It's not exactly part of a particular religion, quote unquote. It's a practice. It's wizardry. It's a practice. And so some people will say, well, what religion is that? It's like it's a practice. It's a discipline. And sometimes when you get into the religion aspects, you, that's when you get into the, a lot of the arguments, like if you ever do online forums, which I don't do anymore. But uh, <laughs> So I do find well, that interesting thing, over on that. It is a practice that goes through all cultures is what I'm saying. And, and then people still have their little their interest in it and all well, of that. Wizardry isn't a religion. A wizard isn't like a priest or a minister or something. A, a, it's it's more like um, a wizard is more like a philosopher, a teacher, a, a doctor, a professor. In fact, probably professor is the most accurate modern term that encompasses the same vision, the same idea. And that doesn't define your religion at all. You can be those things. In fact, um, uh, most of the of the religions of the world, perhaps all of them were founded by people that we would certainly consider to be great wizards of their time. We can say that about Moses and Jesus and Buddha and uh, Lao Tzu and, and and many of the other great religious founders and teachers were, were also known as great wizards because the word means wise one, wise person. You know, The Magi that are that paid the visit to baby Jesus and the, at the birth and all that stuff, Magi is Zoroastrian... Uh, priests and mainly astronomers, astrologers, and it's where we get the word magic and magician comes from them. So there's even a sanction in in the Bible for for wizardry for wizards. There's nothing but respect. There's no negative things mentioned about the magi. You know they're good guys. So there's 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 lots of wonderful stuff to go on and a rich history of of the books and the teachings. The 
the oldest wizard that we have on really solid record was Imhotep, who was a, uh, a wizard in ancient Egypt who served three pharaohs during his lifetime. And he wrote the first recorded books on, um, on astronomy and medicine and architecture and um, stuff like that. So, and we have all these, 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 the books written by the wizards, the grimoires, have been passed down through the ages. And so there's a, a, a literary continuity that has inspired everybody right on down through. And it's, we have the historical records and the lives and the teachings and the writings of these people. It's a rich, it's a rich thing to be associated with. And it has its roots, of course, all the way back in tribal shamanism. I mean, you know, the village shaman was really the first wizard. So, contrary to other allegations, wizardry really is the the oldest profession, you know. <laughs> As opposed to that other one, uh, yeah. Yes. The, uh, I think Newton. Uh, uh, there was another one of my heroes. Uh, even he was as much an alchemist as, as he as he was a you know a father of physics. Absolutely, very much so. I think some of his grimoires have been going out here lately. The family or some of the people who are custodians of this material have been selling some of it off, and a whole lot more has been coming to light about him. Well, and that's wonderful. That's that's really good. We're seeing more of that happening all the time. Um, people are 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 starting to turn more and more to look for. Well, what did you know, what did the ancient people have to say about this stuff? The um, Cosmos series that Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, created, I hope everybody saw that. It was amazing, and it was full of wizardry and magic, and, and he highlighted with beautiful animated series many significant people that, that could be called scientists, but they could just as well be called um, wizards you know, of their time, and were. So it's, it's all happening. It's all moving forward, and that's... Um, Welcome to the new age. Yes. And that's, again, one of the interesting things I've found about, and we're, by the way, for everybody joining us, we're talking about Oberon, Zill, Raven, Hart, and the Arcane uh, Academy of the Arcane, right, is, is what you're creating now. And he's had such a vast history, it makes me feel funny when I introduce your name. <laughs> I see, like, he's done, brrr, but I can't do all of it. <laughs> but, uh, so I stumble a little bit, but yes, uh, the unicorn guy, Grimoire, the apprentice wizard as well, uh, wizard as far as other books. I was going to do, over on to take one more quick break here and one more quick song break and then come back and then talk and then, and then uh, wrap up after that and everything, any plugs you want to do. So the conversation will go on for a little bit, and we'll take another little water break, a little song break here, and then and then return. And again, this is one uh, from us from Dragon Tag. We just uploaded these to the show, so I'm playing some of these. And the opening band actually was not us. It was. And by the way, I want to let everyone know that all the songs we have on here, we have permission. They belong to friends of ours or other people. We have Kellyanna. We have other people, you know, in the pagan music world as well as friends like Woven Green and One Leap and everything. So everything is friends and buddies or ourselves. <laughs> so it's kind of a uh, – we're not using anybody's stuff without permission is what I mean, especially not in this case. But anyway, this one is called The Lake, and we will be right back, Oberon, and everyone there in the audience. Okay.
archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. All right, everyone, and we are back, and I want to thank Nathan Lane Anderson, who such a great professional-sounding plug promo that he did. So another person from Appalachia there, uh, Larry, and he actually has a similar accent to you. <laughs> and uh, very thankful for him. He does some of our voiceover work. I try to help other people out, you know, and maybe somebody hires me for a little voiceover work or whatever, so we all go back and forth in trying to make a little community here musically and artistically and everything else. So our guest is Obronzel Ravenheart. And the newest project he is working on is a school of magic there in California, which I'll let him explain a little bit more. And I'm turning his mic on right now. And there it is. And welcome back, Oberon Zell. Hi. Glad to be here. So talk a little bit more about 
some of the things you're working on again, because we got into a philosophical conversation. It's some great ones, by the way, and I'm really glad you're here, and we're both fans of your work. Um, maybe plug and tell us some of the things you're, you're, you're working on. Well, um, as, I was, as we were talking about earlier, uh, right now I'm engaged in making a move from where I'm living in Northern California down to um, uh, Santa Cruz area, which is south of San Francisco, where we are in the process of setting up a, a storefront facility, a nice large one, to be called the Arcane, well, the Academy of Arcana, sorry, the Academy of Arcana, which you can look at online, academyofarcana.com, that will be a facility that will have um, a museum, a goddess temple, meeting place, library, uh, bookstore, and general all-around really neat place to be. The, you know, it's interesting that the little things that you uh, your show uh, talks about in the little mission statement advertising blurb that comes on here are just the very areas of interest you know they have all that all that kind of weird stuff off the edge the stuff off the edges of the maps the, the, the ufology and the cryptozoology and the crypto everything is really it's all part of what fascinates us so so we're doing that the uh, Academy of Arcana that's a big project there and that will also be um, We'll be having classes and workshops and presentations that are part of the Grace School of Wizardry, which is another one of my ongoing projects. The Grace School has just celebrated its uh, 11th birthday from when we opened at the, on the 1st of August of 2004 at Lunasad. And as the 1st of August this year, we're 11 years old, so that's pretty cool. We've got about 400 students in 50 countries around the world and about two dozen amazing teachers in over 450 classes in 16 different departments and seven levels. <laughs> we have a, a 3D virtual school in Second Life that's pretty awesome where we can have um, live classes and actions and all kinds of stuff with avatars and interactions. Um, <clears throat> there's the Church of All Worlds, of course, which is which I founded decades ago. It, it began clear back in 1962. And that has got a long history and all kinds of interesting involvements and, and continues. And you can look up these things. The website for Church of All Worlds is caw.org. The website for the Gray School is grayschool.org. Um, I've got books I'm, I'm working on. Uh, gosh, there's just there's really so much. But right now, my life is focused immediately on just simply making this move, uh, which is huge. I've got a vast accumulation of stuff that will go into the museum and the library. So it all has to move by the end of September. So it's a bit of a push here. And, yeah, again, like you said, there, there is a lot. And, and, again, some of these are posted on the show link, and they will be forever. They're on the archive. They'll always be there. Uh, we'll upgrade for the uh, academy. We'll do that and add that. So great. In the, I find it interesting what Laramie mentioned earlier about some of the commonalities between his Native American practice and um, 
uh, some aspects of paganism. I also think one another interesting thing or a point I like to make, and now I'm just sort of making this into a conversation, I guess, is uh, I also think it's important, though, for some pagans, even if they feel that way, not to, like, just assume you can go to – there was one site around here where, where people went to a site and littered it or something, or they, you know, they just went there and assumed they could use it. I think people should get permission, too. I think there's also that. Um, but there are commonalities, you know, because I see things in a universal way. You know, I see things in a slightly connected universal way. Maybe that makes me naive to some. But what <clears throat> I guess what my what my next question is is uh, what you're about to open and what you want to open is basically. A church for all these other alternative people. You might not use the C word. You might not say church. So, I'm curious about because I, I think you've had similar places before. H- have you ever had any experiences of people that have been, uh, I don't know, uh, disrespectful or not, or, or not proper to the to the place that you had had, whether it was the property or a building? And I'm just curious about that. Well, that's that's an interesting question. Um, for one thing, this um, you know the the academy is not really a church. The, you know, it's it's to be a kind of a community center and study center, right. research place, all that stuff. But but and and we will have a goddess temple, but it'll be non-denominational and open to people to have things there. It'll be almost more like a chapel, I think, than than um, a lot of other type of viewpoints for it. But it will have the. 350-some goddess figurines that we have there and magical tools and implements. But it's very non-denominational in its concept. But, yeah, we've had storefronts before. Um, we had one, oh, many, many years ago, back in 1970 in St. Louis, Missouri, for example. We had one. Um, and we had uh, uh, some problems with public perception we had a it was raided at one point and lurid stories were made headlines which were later retracted and charges were dropped but they just somebody decided we were just too weird and had to go there was a political campaign going on at the time with the concept of you know cleaning up the city from all these hippie influences so they were going around doing raids and busts at at all the alternative places the coffee houses the the underground radio station all these places and we got hit in that. But, well, we came through fine of it in the long run. And part of that was that our next-door neighbor was a fundamentalist Christian church called Mother Martin's Church of God in Christ. And we had mm. made friends with them when we first moved in, and they were our strongest supporters and stood by us. And it was really really pretty neat. There are there are good people out there, from even from the ranks of those we might have considered our enemies. So we have to keep an open mind about that. Um, we did have, uh, uh, let's see, what was his name? Herschel Smith going around with his witchmobile, uh, proclaiming the dangers of the occult in St. Louis. And we had a, a confrontation with him. And uh, he had this little trailer that was full of um, arcane and occult sort of artifacts. Not really very impressive, actually, by our contemporary standards, but enough to scare the Mondays. And um, <laughs> yeah, right. and and we so we set up a press conference, 
and said, we'll meet with you. And we got, we got the media all showed up, and, and Hershey Smith never showed up. And so we won the day. We got great publicity out of that. We, you know, we showed up. We talked to the media. It all went well. Mostly, personally, virtually every experience I've had dealing with media, be newspapers or TV or radio or uh, books, journalists, every, everything has always come out very positive. I've never had a bad interview. I've never had a negative story. You know, um, some of the stuff that we've had stories about have been really fringy, but they've all been respectful and, and, and done well. I think that the approach has been that uh, the journalists come out because they wanted to do a story because they're kind of curious. They, they get an assignment. So if they come out and they and we show them a good time and we treat them right, we make them interested and engaged with them, well, they go away and, with a good story. And, and then some of them come back to join us in the circle later on. You know, you get an awful lot of our people have come from the ranks of journalists and and researchers and anthropologists and sociologists and people wanting to do a paper or we've we even get our share of missionaries who were sent out there to convert the pagans and they come out and they meet with us and they don't go back you know <laughs> it's, it's eventually I think that right I think these churches are starting to figure out that they probably better not send any more missionaries to the pagans because they might not see them again. <laughs> <laughs> Because, uh, hey, they ate and, uh, you know, they poured them a bourbon drink and everybody was fine and we danced around the fire and we had fun. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has a good time, you know. And He's so bad. Which just, you remind me, you said journalists, because uh, we had had um, Margot Adler on the show before, too, and it was oh, such yeah. a blessing. It was, it, And it wasn't that long before she died. And uh, I know. Uh, it was such a. I miss her. She, she and Morning Glory and several other amazing priestesses all died within a few weeks of each other. It was bizarre. Judy Harrow, um, who was a senior Gardnerian high priestess, died. Lady Lorian of Isis Oasis out here, the Fellowship of Isis, died. Morning Glory and Margot. Um, it was just. It was just bizarre. All these great priestesses were taken from us within a very short time. I think they're all gathered together on the other side, you know, plotting to to take over the underworld the way you know. It's taken <laughs> One of our friends said of Morning Glory, Morning Glory should know. In addition to being an incredible priestess and an amazing woman in so many ways, she was also a fencer and a pirate queen, and um, um, and she was buried with her sword. Clasped in her hands, just like any warrior queen of ancient times. <laughs> and um, one of our friends said of her, she said she died. She sorry, she lived a priestess, she died a queen, she rose a goddess, and and that is so true because since her death, I, I you know I've had my own visits from her, of course, but that's to be expected. But I, I've heard from people all over the world that have had visitations from her. People are. Invoking her into circles, she's been, she's ascended, she's, she's a goddess now, and, um, and, and she's joined the pantheon of the hundreds of goddesses that looked over her as she lay dying in the midst of our temple last year, and, uh, and that's where she died, in, in, at home in our temple, surrounded by the goddesses and the altars, and she rose a goddess, um, and in, in in amazing ways, she really has become part of part of all that. So you know, um, wow, it, it goes on. But a spirit like that doesn't just disappear. And I, and hopefully, many of the rest of us can also 
be uh, strong enough spirits that that we will manage to hold it together through the passage to the other side and still retain our identity. That's what a lot of magical teachings are actually all about: is how to how to hold it together and, and not just dissipate upon death and be able to hang on to your identity and wherever you go from there, you know, whether you decide to come back like most of us pagans do because we like it here, or to go on to someplace else, that's that's okay. But there has to be a, a you there to do that. So that's that's part of the teaching. Yeah. Well, Ron, we've come down to our last couple of minutes. It's been an absolute okay. pleasure. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And Thank you. Thank you very much. And again, um, if you want to briefly mention uh, the academy for people, for plugs, for for, for listeners, I'll I'll apply a link to. So great. That please, will be where we're check out. Yeah, please check out our our upcoming project. We're hoping to be able to open to the public um, right around uh, Salem, if not shortly thereafter. And it's Academy of Arcana, and you can look it up academyofarcana.com. A C A D E M Y O F R A R C Academy of Arcana C A N A right okay well I'm actually gonna I'll blue link it to the show so that'll be okay <laughs> great that's great but anyway yeah they'll get it nice and easy then but I want to thank you so much again uh, uh, for joining us we're both admirers of your work and your spirit and your style and your way of approaching these things of being a believer and being someone that says, Hey, you can make your own life. And even though I haven't always lived that way, but uh, to, to talk to someone that has and to to see it go on. And of course we're going to pull for your project. We'll help you with it. We'll promote it and we'll continue to promote it. That's wonderful. We are, we have a GoFundMe page up for fundraising, but you can also get, you know, make donations yeah. if you want to help support the project. It's going to be expensive to be, to open this. Once we get going, I expect it will be self-sustaining. But the initial um, efforts of, of renting the place and setting up everything is going to be a bit pricey. So we can use all the help we can get. If it sounds like something you'd like to uh, be a part of, um, please. You know, we'll be having memberships and and recognitions of uh, tiers of donors and everything else to, to make it really honoring the people who do support us in this stage. So I hope that will be some of your listeners. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And we will. We'll continue to post it. We'll continue to post it as part of the show, as part of our Facebook page, and maybe a part of our band page. So we'll continue Great. to make connections. We think so. We think everything's connected. Like, I, you know, I don't separate these things. But anyway, thank you again so much. We have to close out here in Laramie. Thank you very much, sir. It's good to finally meet you. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, Good night and blessed be. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you all. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, Cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.